Jeffrey Epstein is accused of running an underage sex trafficking ring. He's a hedge fund manager who has powerful political connections that include former President Clinton. Epstein is already a registered sex offender, pleading guilty back in 2008 to charges of soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution. Right now, we have Ryan Dawson. Everybody's been sending me this video about Eric Weinstein and what he's saying, these unanswered questions. I watched Ryan do a video where he answered the questions and I was blown away by his level of knowledge. Over the months, uh, people have sent me some of his stuff. I've dipped in and out of it. And today, with Epstein being out of the news because of everything that's going on around the world, it's been on the back burner for a lot of people, but Ryan has took it to the next level. I would say right now he's at the Whitney Webb uh, level of knowledge on this subject. Thank you for agreeing to this, Ryan. Could you just pe tell people who you are and how you came to research Epstein? Yes, I've been writing about Epstein since 2007, and uh, I, <laughs> I won't say anything bad about Whitney Webb, but uh, anyway. Yeah, I, st I didn't, I'm not one of these people that started writing about it last July, put it that way. And uh, yeah, I've been doing my maps and things and I um, I had two strikes on YouTube last July and so I was only able to put up a couple videos about Epstein and a lot of people nabbed my work and put it all around, including QAnon and, and others, uh, blatantly plagiarized what I was doing. And uh, I was unable to defend myself or put up any future videos on my own channel, but I did go around on other channels and talked about it. Um, four out of five of those have been deleted completely. <laughs> so I hope nothing happens what, to you. <laughs> what got you interested in Epstein in 2007? Uh, him being arrested. Okay. And I had people on my forum uh, in the Florida area who were talking about it. And honestly, when... Uh, I don't remember if it was before or after he got arrested. Actually, I have to go back and look. But there were there. He's this is not the only pedophile ring. There was the Dream Boys, and before that, there was the Finders Cult, and there was lots of a lot. A lot of this happens, sadly enough. I mean, there even in even in wartime. I mean, in Abu Ghraib and others, there are torture prisons and Dine Corps and even Blackwater. They get involved in this uh, human sex trafficking, and states get involved in this. Saudi Arabia and Israel, in particular which will end up uh, very deeply involved with Epstein too. And so it's hard for me when I hear a claim, is this somebody seeking attention or is this real? Because it's so bizarre what was going on, right? And you see something on an internet forum and I'm like, why are you telling me? How desperate do you, why don't you tell the police or something? You know, that was so naive, right? But why, why aren't you going to the authorities? And the problem is like they're paid off or they're the ones doing it and, so uh, we kind of, uh, we talked about Epstein, we were talking about his cohorts, we talked a lot about uh, Maxwell's father and uh, Stealing Promise Software, because I do a lot of digging into the Israelis and into the Mafia, as you do. Uh, I've seen your videos with Johnny A. Light and others. And uh, so you see these webs, and uh, I'm not shy from conspiracy. I don't devil in the uh, Jonestown variety, uh, what we call Alex Jones variety, that's not my cup of tea, but... But Eric Weinstein is more the, the type of conspiracies that he uh, digs into. That's more of the grown-up version, you could say. And so I think the video you're referring to is one where he asked a lot of great 
questions with a, uh, a British uh, interviewer. And I was kind of shocked that he didn't know the answers, or maybe he does know the answers, and it was a dog whistle. That's a possibility. But I thought, well, I've had these answers out for a long time. Um, but the problem is, if you didn't catch them right away, I disappeared for a few months. I had to physically go to Ireland and go to Google headquarters in person because you can't reach a human being uh, to get my channel back and restored. And by wow. then, a lot of the steam from Epstein had, had uh, well, it wasn't that people lost interest. It was nearly a war with Iran. And then this certain event that's going around right now uh, has taken the headlines. But I'm still very angry about it. And I can't, and I think a lot of people are interested in the story and want to know what happened because this is a lot deeper than just some wealthy guy who was a pervert. This was an intelligence operation and we have evidence that it was an intelligence operation and we know the players uh, and there are still people who could be subpoenaed. We know where Dershowitz is. We know where Prince Andrew is. Uh, we have, a, well, when I say we, some of us know where Yasleen Maxwell probably is. <laughs> Uh, well, that brings me to one of the questions. Others, right? That brings me to one of the questions that uh, Weinstein said was that you know she's obviously got a passport, at least right. one, at least one, maybe more. Um, these passports have to be documented as they go in and out of countries. Uh, why has there no information been forthcoming from tracking the passport? And what was your response to that? Well, that's. I think that's a great question because. That seems like such an easy thing to do if you're naive enough to think that the mass media is actually free and would be able to report on such a thing. When it comes to uh, crimes done by a particular element, uh, whether it's using uh, Stingrays to spy on the White House as recently as last year, or Stuart Nozette, uh, or Keith Wiseman uh, and Rosen being caught in a giant spy ring with uh, APAC, with Lawrence Franklin, these kind of things, or any of the lies that led to the Iraq war from a particular group of neoconservatives in the, in the Pentagon that blatantly lied about weapons of mass destruction. How come no consequences never came for any of that either? And how come there were no names given and it was never really explained to the public exactly well, who told us about uh, yellow cake uranium from Niger? Uh, and who wrote these myths about uh, anthrax and a meeting in Prague that never actually took place between Mohammed Atta and senior Iraqi officials where they passed anthrax to him, which was witnessed by Israeli security forces? Of course, it wasn't witnessed by Israeli security forces because there was no meeting and Al-Qaeda didn't send anthrax and neither did Iraq. But you can trace this back to individuals and they had jobs and they have names. I hate this... I really hate when somebody does this nefarious renaming of the word they by just saying, oh, New World Order or the elite or the deep state or globalists or, you know, pick a term. They have names and we know who it is. But anytime uh, when it comes to organized crime, when it comes to the theft of nuclear weapons from the United States and stealing uranium from Apollo, Pennsylvania, major things when they're are attacks on American sailors murdered on the USS Liberty. Whenever it involves the Israeli state, the media shuts up about it. So when you find a major story, when Weinstein say we tripped over something, we tripped over something big, like the mega group or the Sonborn group, and we don't know what it was, yes, you do. You know who it was. 
And because it's the only place in the world that could get away with such a thing and not have it blow up in their face in the media, if you want to get away with a crime, involve the Israelis. And the U.S. and the U.K. media will leave you alone. Do you think she's in Israel? No. What do you think, think she is? I think she's still in the United States. Really? So do you think that she's being protected by the CIA and the, and the intelligence uh, agency from Israel in the United States? Well, um, I don't actually divide things like the Mossad, the CIA, and my six like that because I understand that those lines blurred a long time ago. Uh, clicks like the Safari Club, for example, is a shared intelligence nexus between the Saudi Arabians, uh, Israel, and the United States. We're deeply involved in, in war propaganda toward Iran, uh, September 11th, etc. It's been that way since the Israeli-U.S. Uh, alliance has been that way since murdering both Kennedys they, with uh, James Jesus Angleton and the blonde ghost uh, Ted Shackley. Uh, and the Israelis have always had a tight relationship. Both the Dulles brothers were Zionists. First operations the CIA ever does. Uh, well, one was in Indonesia, but then it was Operation Ajax in 53. So this uh, alliance, let's say, has been around for a long time. So protected by the CIA, in a sense, since uh, that's basically the Mossad, uh, when you're talking about her faction anyway, is compartmentalized. Uh, they keep it away. The CIA's original job was supposed to be tracking weapons proliferation after World War II. That's what intelligence agencies were for. You had a massive surplus of World War II weapons that were no longer necessary that stretched across continents. And the role of the intelligence agencies when the OSS became the CIA and then name your three-letter network for other nations, one of the principal things they were supposed to be doing was tracking the proliferation of weapons. And guess which weapon was the most important? obviously the atomic bombs and yet uh, Israel stole them from the United States and it was known and the CIA knew and we have Senate testimony of the fact that they knew and yet uh, nobody prosecuted them and, and that was because it was a very politically sensitive thing to do after the Holocaust to go after some of these groups and so they got more and more emboldened more and more embedded and what happened instead of tracking weapons is what happens a lot with organized crime, when you, even when it goes to drugs uh, like opium or even alcohol during prohibition, is the, the people who are supposed to be policing it get in the job of selectively uh, allowing the flow of drugs, arms, etc. And that's what happened with the Mossad and the CIA. They have been transporting arms, people, uh, and drugs uh, since their inception. So what basis do you have to believe she's in America? Um, because that's where she has the, the most contacts and allies, and it's actually even safer than Israel, I mean, it being in the United States. And it would have been hard for her to leave. Plus, um, the last uh, information we have, because it would be rolling the dice to take your passport and just scat on your own anyway. Um, and so when she closed down her uh, Terramar uh, Oceans charity, which was a money laundering front the whole time, that was from within the United States. And we have her tax records on that. We have, um, it, it actually <laughs> goes back to Frank Gustra and the Clinton Foundation. And she has a lot of allies in the United States, uh, all the way up to former presidents. And so she's well protected here. 
uh, or when I say here, I mean my home country, the United States. I'm actually doing this from Japan. She's definitely not here. <laughs> She's well protected uh, with a lot of people. And most of the mega group that was, which is short for mega donors, which is where Epstein got his financing from, is in the U.S. and Canada. And that's a lot uh, more powerful than a prince or some of the people she has in the U.K. Uh, but, you know, Israel is an option. But she doesn't want to live there, so she's going to be here in the U.S. So you talked about the transfer of nuclear technology and knowledge to Israel, and Robert Maxwell was pushing the Promise software all over the world, selling a multiple of what uh, the other peddlers of it were selling. And how big was his role then in that transfer of that knowledge. Yeah, I mean, he comes a little after um, what I call the Numec Click or the Sonnenborn Group, but it's a very it's it's an identical way of financing. The same way they originally made a group uh, with Rudolf Sonnenborn in New York in 1945 to to uh, procure weapons for the future war. Haganah was stealing weapons from all over the world. But especially the United States, because the United States had the most weapons. Uh, they didn't have any cities destroyed in World War II. Um, one base in Hawaii, which actually wasn't part of the United States yet, but they had the bomb. And the goal was, we're going to get the bomb. And I just brought that up to show the scale of, if you can't get a story out of the most powerful weapon in the world being stolen, and the U.S. still won't admit that... Well, not officially, they won't admit that Israel has nuclear weapons, even though Mordecai Venunu went and took pictures of the warheads and showed at that time they already had hundreds of nuclear weapons. But you're right, uh, Maxwell was in that same clique with Raphael Adenton and uh, some of the scientists, uh, Zalman Shapiro and so on, who were part of the, the tail end of the weapons theft, which, uh, which I guess is most well known for the theft they did out of Pennsylvania, where <laughs> Heli Trading Company, for example, uh, from Arnan Milchan, who's the largest Israeli arms dealer, admits it on a stage, by the way, nothing happens to him. Uh, the, in the buyer side of that uh, <laughs> was uh, who was taking Krytron triggers, something you need in the development of nuclear warheads, was none other than Benjamin Netanyahu, who's now the prime minister. And when it, when it comes to Epstein, they're not... Um, unfamiliar with prime ministers or uh, chief heads of the Mossad either, like Ahud Barat, which I know you know already, but um, that's very important because Ahud Barak helped shelter other pedophiles, other incidences of international uh, pedophilia, and also uh, President Katz, who was, uh, Moshe Katzev was the president at the tail end of, uh, of Barak's uh, tenure as prime minister, was convicted of rape in Israel. Israel's president was convicted of rape. And that was in 2007. I mean, that's from 2000 to 2007, he's a president. Not many people know that the president of Israel was convicted of rape. Uh, can you imagine if uh, the president of Iran was convicted of a rape? How much that would be all over TV or any other country? If the president of the United States was convicted of rape, where that would be. But yes, the president of Israel, Israel has a president and a prime minister. They have a similar system to the, the French. And uh, he was convicted of rape, and that was all during this time period. And not a peep in the media about that either. So when people are wondering, why did this story die? How come there were all these questions and then it went away? 
they got about as deep as Les Wexner and then zip. And, you know, and it just built from the Wexner. Uh, Wexner Foundation was actually used to launder illegally, launder money to Edwin Barat's coffers. This was the chief of the Mossad. And while he's chief of the Mossad, he is the chairman of the board for the Carbine Group, which used to be called Reporty, which is Epstein helped create too. Uh, so did Peter Thale, uh, who is one of the principal founders of uh, PayPal. And then they've been doing, uh, Carbine is kind of like Israel's Blackwater. It's a security front, it's their 911 response thing. And Eric Prince gets involved in that as well. Uh, he's changed the name. I think it went from Blackwater to Z, like XE, and then it was Academy, and they had another name. And now it's, I think it's called the Frontier Secure Services Group or something. And they're making Blackwater China as we speak. But uh, these people, and they've been caught in rape rings, as has DynCorp. So this isn't anything new as far as uh, governments covering up pedophilia. Um, but a lot of Wep of, uh, of Wexner's group from the mega donors, uh, the Bronfman family, for example, deep ties to organized crime, as well as the Nexium cult, which also was caught in raping women and branding people. I like just watched Out of Shadows. Have you just watched, have you seen it's going around right now, Out of Shadows? My uh, former psychology professor sent that to me today, but I didn't have the time to look. I it watched up. it yesterday, and it has it links uh, Epstein, uh, Nexium, and and Peter Gate. It has all that towards the end. It's quite good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nick, Claire Bronfman actually already admitted to trafficking young girls in the Nexium cult, and uh, Edgar Bronfman Sr. is the president of the World Jewish Congress, and Charles Bronfman, of course, is the chairman of the United Jewish Communities which that would have United Israel Appeal, United Jewish Appeal, and the Council of Jewish Federations. And I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that this is, they can write the word Jewish in their name. That doesn't make them speak for an ethnic group. That they, These people are Jewish supremacists. It's the same as, you know, wow, are you so shocked that uh, white supremacists are white and black supremacists are black and a lot of Jewish supremacists are Jewish. But, you know, don't that is a subset of a larger category. I don't want anybody confusing that. These people belong, have loyalty to a state, which is the state of Israel. And it can call itself the Jewish state, but that doesn't make it so. Uh, all these people are out of their minds. And, you know, Michael Steinhardt and uh, a lot of these Jewish billionaires, uh, the Bronfmans, Wexner, uh, they... They don't represent Jews. They don't represent uh, anything like that. I don't want anybody getting the wrong picture there. But they are a supremacist clique, and they do have loyalty to a foreign state. And that is their purpose, is to set up in the, a parasitic relationship, really, inside the U.S. and Canada uh, to steal technology, uh, because that's what Epstein was doing. He was using this. It was a blackmail and spy operation. And it's been done many times before, but as the reason I brought up NUMAC is the if I had a many, many hours, I could go all the way from the 40s to now walking through it. But uh, And I have taken a map starting from about the 80s, just when Epstein got involved onward. But they are always stealing technology and setting up hunting traps. Uh, the, I mean, right now, the current president of the United States, is uh, his son-in-law is Jared Kushner, whose father was caught and convicted and thrown in prison. Uh, for uh, illegal campaign financing, which also involved sexual blackmail on his own brother-in-law, uh, where he got in a feud with uh, with Murray Kushner, his older brother, and then his sister Miriam, and 
he sent he set up um, her husband with a hooker who took who went to the Red Bull Inn and they secretly filmed a sexual encounter and he tried to blackmail his own sister with this. His own sister and brother refuting with him because he set up a bunch of cutout uh, front companies to um, as a way of uh, illegally uh, feeding the campaign of the governor of New Jersey at the time, Governor McGreevy, because the governor of New Jersey is who selects the chairman of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. The Port Authority sets up lucrative real estate contracts, which Kushner was trying to to award to himself. And the whole, and the president, by the way, the former chairman is the president of APAC, <laughs> the largest Israeli lobby. So it's a big circle. I have a film about that called Trump's Sinus Ball and Chain that it, it goes through all these white collar crimes and it might be a little bit heavy in the in the economic jargon and whatnot in that film, but the gist of it is, I mean, they're setting up honey traps, they're buying hookers, they're illegally financing everything, and they do it all the time, And because even when they get caught now and then, the return is so much larger than the consequence, and so it just continues. I mean, you, you can use a couple million to bribe and end up with billions, and so they just do it and do it and do it, and it didn't hurt them at all. I mean, the, <laughs> Jared Kushner, uh, who has worked for his dad, and whose father and mother also bribed he and his brother's way in, into Harvard. And it doesn't seem to scathe them because it's never reported. I mean, do you think the Democrats, as much as they say, oh, Trump's xenophobic and racist and all that, why wouldn't they bring up the fact that is uh, that Jer that uh, Charles Kushner is a convicted felon and uh, that their son is, is given a high-level position in the White House? And they're, they're, Kushner, Inc. has been involved in all of these crimes uh, linking back to Baba Booty and Tony Solano and all these mafia people around Atlantic City. Were they could, but they can't because a lot of the, the Hillary's and the Biden's are doing the same thing, so they're not going to bring it up. <laughs> Let's go back to Robert Maxwell and Epstein's entry into the intelligence community then. If you've um, seen the statements by Uri Ben-Manashi, I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. Yeah, Uri Ben-Manashi was a Mossad agent who spent time at MCC, the same yeah. prison as, as uh, Epstein was murdered in. So he's saying that when Ghislaine and um, Epstein started to go out, it was Robert who brought Epstein into the fold. Do you agree with that? Well, what they tried to do at first with Epstein is, because uh, Robert was more into um, diverting illegal arms. And at the time they were working, I believe it was with Douglas Lees, um, in a bid because the Americans had, had shafted Saudi Arabia on a, on a contract for fighter jets and the Brits stepped in. I think it was the uh, tornadoes. I don't remember which jet it was. It's not, I don't have everything on the top of my head, but the, basically Epstein wasn't very good at it. Um, and you can see his earlier Ponzi scheme with the reinsurance company um, with Steve Hoffenberg. Uh, they knew uh, John Lehman, who was on the 9-11 uh, <laughs> Commission, by the way. Uh, sure. they, they had um, worked with Douglas Lease and tried to get Epstein in on this legal-ish, I mean, it's insider trading, but this quasi-legal and illegal uh, arms trade. But he just didn't know what he was doing. He, they said he was a brilliant mind, and the others say, no, this guy was a just a brilliant con man. 
I lean more toward the brilliant con man um, than any any kind of whiz kid hedge fund manager or you know arms dealer stockbroker no, nothing like that. The guy found his niche in um, setting up honey traps and getting young girls. Apparently, he had some charm. And they fronted him the money. I mean, Wexner gave him a house. They just gave him a house. He gave him a mansion in New York, the most expensive house there was. And he figured out, you know, with Jean-Luc Burnell and MC2 Modeling and other modeling agencies in the United States, that this, rather than the traditional feeding ground of orphanages and or putting up false advertisements in Eastern Europe and taking advantage of the desperate situation there after the collapse of the Soviet Union is how they got a lot of young girls uh, who wouldn't be known, who were attractive, who they could use in these rings. They set up modeling agencies and the level of degeneracy worldwide had reached the point where it's perfectly okay to take 12-year-old models and stick them in nearly naked ads and things. And they plastered them all over uh, Les Wexner's businesses and Abercrombie and Finch and whatever you have 15 year old it, it's kind of it's like okay they're not naked but it was sketch but it's a way of saying look you got a grown man with a house full of uh, 12 to 15 year olds and that is something that uh, Jean-Luc Brunel was able to do to help as a almost a farm to find you know to hire purposely hire the, the compromised and then get them to the United States or to the Caribbean and then, of course, everyone knows the story, what happened to them, unfortunately, from there with Gesling Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein uh, using them, raping them and using them as honey traps. And, and or I would also add kidnapping some of them, and some of them lived with them and had nowhere to go. They took their passports away. Gesling, on many occasions, threatened to kill them. That's a famous incident with uh, Mary Farmer, for example, who says she had, was forced to have sex with Alan Dershowitz in Les Wexner's house uh, on his property. And right afterward, she has two cell phone messages from Maxwell saying there's a lot of ways to die on the West Highway, alluding to shut up or we'll kill you. These people were monsters. But uh, I'd like to point out, too, that uh, Epstein's brother, uh, Mark Epstein, has a lot of property in the New York area adjacent to the... Uh, the Wexner rape house, where a lot of these models were were housed, and he may have been in the. I don't want to know. I don't want to look. But his properties were housing a lot of these young girls, uh, and this is often a place that people like the Prince Andrew and Ehud Barat would go and visit, spend the night. So it wasn't just in uh, Epstein's New York rape mansion itself, but the adjacent territories were full of young girls, and they were. Um, prostituting them out, which I mean, just, it's disgusting. They raped a bunch of young women, and a lot of people in that area knew and just had nobody to tell because the authorities, it didn't matter. Well, the girl at Wexner's house, she called the authorities, didn't she? And they came out, and they were basically in his pocket, in Wexner's pocket, so they wouldn't do anything for her. Yes, he's a, I mean, you're talking about a billionaire with you know, multiple businesses who's friends with other billionaires that own papers and own, you know they have so much influence versus a teenage girl with no connections what is she supposed to do and it this had to happen over and over and over again before anything ever was done and 
I guess it starts in Florida. Well, he he pissed off Donald, another billionaire, Donald Trump, over the Mar Largo uh, property capture. Rub, was rubbing Trump's face in it because obviously Trump wanted to buy the property adjacent to what he already owned, and he was having a lot of financial problems. And Epstein and Maxwell were rubbing his nose in it. But Trump uh, did make a lot of money in some of his hotel investments and then later The Apprentice and was able to just barely outbid Epstein and nab the property, which caused a rift between the two. But um, that's the property where Virginia Roberts was recruited from uh, by the tennis courts. You've heard her story. Unfortunately, she's suffering from the, uh, the virus that's going around right now. I hope she recovers. But she's probably been the most vocal victim uh, out of all the victims so far, and I believe more will step up. But with the death of Epstein, a lot of, a lot of it all died with them, even though there are plenty of players to still go after. And Maxwell is also accused of rape. So is Dershowitz, uh, John Luke Burnell. There are people and Prince Andrew. There are people there, some of them who aren't hiding, uh, and nothing seems to really go forward. I don't think you could get a more disastrous interview than what Prince Andrew did. <laughs> Where do you think Jean-Luc Brunel is? Uh, he was last spotted in Brazil. He was dumb enough to use his cell phone, and so they had him located. And that is where a lot of pedophilia goes down. Um, I think I mentioned earlier how uh, Ahud Barak helped shelter other pedophiles. One of them was uh, Ari Schur, who, uh, together with a Hebrew language teacher named George Steinberg, they set up a child prostitution ring they were they were homosexual and they were using little boys and little girls and they were they had israeli tourists going to the israeli consulate in brazil uh where these parties would happen with little kids and that's how they got caught is these guys were so brash that they stupidly didn't understand that in the background of some of the photos they were that were going around was the swimming pool of the Israeli consulate, which was noted very noticeable of, of where it was. So they were doing this on government property. That doesn't mean necessarily the Israelis set them up to do that, but as uh, employees of the Israeli state, uh, Ari Sher was doing that and wasn't convicted. He fled back to Israel and uh, Barack and Katz, the convicted rapist president of Israel, they just moved him around. They tried to send him to Australia. If you're interested in the Epstein case, I take a much deeper dive in my books, which are available worldwide than Amazon. We've got Who Killed Epstein, Prince Andrew or Bill Clinton. Virginia Guffrey alleged that Epstein ordered her to have sex with Prince Andrew three times, including an orgy on the Pedo Island, which included underage European girls. On the Lolita Express, Bill Clinton was photographed with Epstein's sex slaves. After Epstein was suicided, both men denied any knowledge of his crimes. This book examines the roles of Epstein and his accomplices in the Honey Trap operation and the likelihood of a royal prince or an ex-president being co-conspirators in his assassination. That's Who Killed Epstein. Then I've got Elite Predators from Jimmy Savile and Lord Mountbatten to Jeffrey Epstein and Galen Maxwell. In 2022, Galen Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in prison after she had procured teenage girls for Epstein and his predator pals. The connections included the most powerful people in the world, ranging from royal family members such as Prince Andrew to former presidents, including Bill Clinton. While the mainstream media protects the innermost circles of the establishment, this book reveals the harrowing truth of elite child molesters and the calculated methods they employ to conceal 
the horrific activities which often span decades. And then more recently, I've released Untouchable Jimmy Savile. Savile was a practicing Catholic who raped young boys and girls and had sex with corpses. He was a God-fearing believer who participated in satanic rituals. He was an unprecedentedly generous charity fundraiser who was too tight to buy his own meals. He was a friend of princes and dukes who ate bacon sandwiches at his local Greasy Spoon. He was a peace activist who tied up troublemakers in his nightclubs and had them brutally beaten. He was a furry godfather who hated children. Untouchable Jimmy Savile demolishes the mainstream media narratives portrayed in Netflix's and the BBC's documentary. And we show that Savile's behavior was enabled by the most powerful members of the establishment for whom he was a fixer and a procurer. So these three books are available worldwide on Amazon, paperback, ebook, audiobook. They've got hundreds of five-star reviews. Check them out. The Aussies looked up his past and said, there's no way this person is coming here. And then he went to Hong Kong and they just move him around like the Catholic Church used to do the rape priest. Um, oh, you got caught doing that? Well, this just put you in this other area, which is disgusting. I mean, they're being financed and protected by a state when they're involved with raping children. And I mean like eight, nine years old kids uh, that these guys were involved with. And it just is on and on. They're always getting... Latin American kids out of Colombia, former IDF uh, soldier, set up a rape ring in Colombia. And they get caught, and maybe it's in the written news for a day and then disappears. And never, it's never in the American media. And it doesn't matter how big it is or who it involves. And I swear the only reason they really jumped on the Epstein thing is because there was pictures of him with Donald Trump. And Whatever you think about Donald Trump, there has been a sustained anti-Trump screed in the media since before he was ever sworn in. And so when then they tried to go to Acosta, who said, I was told this is intelligence back off, right? And who? Which kind of intelligence? If it's the CIA, why are we busting ourselves? Why did we arrest him in New York at all? Right. It's someone it's intelligence. All right. It's not our intelligence. It's another country's intelligence, more powerful, probably with uh, pulling the strings than the United States is. But he was told to back off. And the and uh, Barry Kusher that gave him the sweetheart deal in Florida was, you know, a recipient of award winner for the ADL, as was Alan Dershowitz. It's not hard to figure out who it was. Uh, the mega group was set up for that purpose, and he's giving money to the chief of the Mossad, who's the chairman of the Israeli security network that they themselves also created. Uh, and then these people are hiding rapists. And, you know, why are you stealing tech? Why are you setting honey traps? Why are you so interested in U.S. Uh, technology and science? Is the U.S. stealing that to give it to the U.S.? That doesn't make any sense. It's a foreign state. And it's Israel. The reason it keeps going in the news here is because of Prince Andrew. Do you think Prince Andrew was just a useful idiot or he was more diabolical? Uh, both. He's a useful idiot and diabolical. He's the Prince Andrew is more of clout. It's like, look, I know a royal. Which in America, no one cares. It's like, prince of what? You lost. But it's a big deal in other places. Like, he's a prince. Uh, 
he knows the queen and whatever. And it's a very rich, wealthy, famous person. And, and Epstein would brag about this to many, many stories where he, he was kind of a collector. Oh, I got this guy, I got that. And he would like to get actors or you know prominent people. His role officially was to go after U.S. science and technology. But uh, one way, you're going to have to set up honey traps uh, to protect yourself politically. And that's what Hoover Hoover used to do um, with his G-men was collect sexual blackmail on uh, key figures that he was going after. But then, of course, Lansky and Costello got the goods, the sexual blackmail of Hoover and Clyde Tolson themselves. So you blackmail the blackmailer, and now you have blackmail over everyone else. Uh, Epstein was kind of like this. Because you have to understand, when you're talking about the very, very wealthy, the very powerful, bribery doesn't really work. You can't really bribe somebody with something they already have. If you're going to bribe a billionaire or a millionaire, you're going to need an enormous amount of money because they're not going to risk everything they have for, you know, $200,000 or something. Like, they're not, no. You, if you want to go after the poor, you use bribery. If you want to go after the wealthy, you use blackmail. Blackmail, conversely, doesn't work so well in the poor because they have nothing to lose. But you wave money around and they're willing to do it. So if you want to get somebody like uh, Bill Clinton or you want to get somebody uh, like uh, a governor or a senator or uh, a Larry Summers or someone like that, then you want to go like Bill Richardson, for example, then you're going to use blackmail. And the best kind of blackmail is sexual blackmail. And the best kind of sexual blackmail is underage sexual blackmail. Because that is the one thing that will do you in. Because if you look at, uh, it's uh, for whatever reason, in the UK and the US, if somebody advocated murder, if somebody caused the starvation of half a million Iraqi children, if somebody was involved in uh, intentional starvation in Yemen, if somebody you know, reinstituted slavery in Northern Africa and Libya, if somebody was caught aiding Al-Qaeda, Slides right off. That's everybody. But you get caught banging a little kid, then, okay, we have a moral line somewhere. That will end your career. So this is how deep and ugly it's got to be to get blackmail because advocating murder and starvation and torture, and all, that's, that's a legitimate political platform. If you want to get up there and be pro-torture, you can sit there as an adult and actually make a case of why you should be allowed to torture human beings, even though it's been proven all it does is get them to say whatever they think you want to hear and it's not reliable and it doesn't matter. That's fine. That's, that's okay. And you can advocate for sanctions even though we know that it's killing people collectively and you can do all that. You shouldn't be able to, but that will not tank your career. What will tank your career in the United States or the UK is... Uh, sexual deviancy or racism that's about all you could possibly do that would automatically kill your career so with prince andrew being in the news here it's took the heat off the clintons how tight were the clintons with epstein i saw hillary was on the flight as well yeah it's interesting because a relative of mine was in the uh, uniform secret service was a bodyguard for both clintons and I heard uh, many stories about her uh, 
sexual escapades, let's say. And I had Gary Byrne on my show recently, and uh, he conferred a similar story of um, of her being walked in on with another woman. And so she's not as well known as Bill because Bill actually was the president, unlike Hillary. So he got a lot more attention from the accusations of rape going all the way back to when he was a governor of Arkansas and beyond uh, during the Iran-Contra scandal, which he also assisted in. Iran-Contra, by the way, was not an event where the Israelis helped the U.S. by selling contraband to Iran. Israel had been getting contraband out of Nicaragua and aiding the dictatorship there uh, since the middle of the 70s. Uh, Somoza's uh, grandfather, by the way, helped smuggle uh, and divert weapons out of Nicaragua to the Israeli state a generation before, so they owed them. But um, the Clinton, Bill Clinton was very well known as a, uh, not as a pedophile, but definitely as um, someone that couldn't, you know, keep his willy in his pants. Uh, he really liked the ladies. And so it was a simple target to honey trap Clinton. And I don't think he was just on the plane making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> Let's say that. Uh, the best troll ever was Donald Trump bringing Clinton's rape accusers and putting them in the front row of the, his debate with Hillary so she had to look them in the face the whole time. Yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. That was a hell of a power play, yeah. And Clinton deserves it. He was coked up abusing women and you mentioned earlier how the president of israel uh, had a rape uh, conviction well clinton would have had one if it wasn't for his resources connections legal team out of court settlements non non-disclosure agreements and you know being fully backed by the cia protecting the the cocaine operation of bush and oliver north and they tried to uh, involve a lot of their own security personnel um in Northern Africa, for example, where they would they'd buy hookers for everybody uh, and try and it was it was pure debauchery when the Clintons got into the White House. Uh, they would br they brought it into that kind of sacred area. They brought all of it there with them. And they and the kind of people they're hiring and the kind of people they had been associated with all the way back to their mafia days in Arkansas. Um, it never it never skipped a beat. And uh, so it does. It wasn't surprising at all. I mean, Clinton pardoned Pincus Green and Mark Rich, his final hour in office. And Mark Rich was a commodities trader for Glencore and famous for a lot of crimes. Officially, there he was on Interpol's most wanted list for for uh, tax evasion in the tens of millions. And his wife, Hillary Clinton's uh, Senate campaign, by the way. But uh, they were also involved in human trafficking and. So and and that actually ties to uh, Norex and uh, Gregory uh, Lukachowski was a who's a, in the Russian mob, and th it's all they they pick a crime, they did it with the Russian mob, including uh, narcotics, uh, illegal smuggling of weapons, uranium, and human trafficking, and so. You know, Mark Rich, Pinkus Green, these guys in the Russian mob, they're all tied to the Clintons. So is, uh, so is Louis Libby, even, ironically. I mean, Libby was Mark Rich's lawyer, and he was the uh, chief of staff for Dick Cheney. And he wrote a book about uh, pedophilia rape. Uh, he had underage Japanese girls being raped in a cage by a bear. 
So he can include bestiality on top of pedophilia. Uh, his defense was set up by Mel Sebler, by the way, who is part of the Nadir forgeries with Michael Adin and Bonifar, both of whom were part of Iran-Contra uh, with the Israelis. So it's just a big circle, isn't it? Yeah, and Clinton pardoned his own brother, who was buying coke and uh, dealing coke and said that Bill had a nose like a vacuum cleaner. And Dan Lasseter, who was laundering the money, um, do you think some of Epstein's money then was drug money? Um, they were doing drugs, so I mean, he was involved in it, but most of his money, he got money because of his theft. And so he wasn't really a drug czar so much, but uh, some of the people he was um, partying with certainly were. But he was he, was he, he moving, I mean, was he that. moving? Was he moving drug money around for the CIA? Kind of like Dan Lasseter laundered money, you know, through oh, Arkansas. Oh, yes. Okay. And as far as the money laundering section, yes, absolutely. He wasn't the guy selling the narcotics, though. Uh, yeah. Epstein was more the one cleaning the money. And I don't know if you can see this map behind me. The, the, I don't oh. know if it comes up big enough. Well, well that's all right. That's us. Uh, I we could put it on well, the screen, perhaps. Sure. Everything I'm saying, by the way, I know I'm like, running through this shotgunning information, but I uh, have gone through the details and sources of what I'm saying in these sort of walkthrough map videos that I make. Uh, I don't know what's to call them, but somebody gave me the map software and I said, and I just had a good time <laughs> using the that. link. The link to Ryan's channel is in the description box. So I urge people to go over and check his videos out and subscribe. Oh, thank you. Well, let's get into the money laundering, uh, shall we? Because uh, I know you um, you did stock trades, and I don't have to. I was I was convicted of money laundering. I know, but <laughs> I'm not laughing about that. I just the way you said it, no nonchalant, like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, ecstasy is a hell of a drug, but um, you know that's that still you'll know about it, and. Uh, he, he was a front man for the mega group and also for JP Morgan Chase. So one of the things he did, and this will just be one example of the many of things that he's done, because I, we talked earlier about Stephen Hoffenberg and, and Doug Lease and stuff, but I didn't get in the nitty gritty of that. But uh, there, there's so many scandals and Ponzi schemes that he was involved with. Also, he actually was uh, uh, involved in another one with uh, Joseph E. Tomei and the Bronfmans. So I can get to that later, too, if you put a pen in that, remind me. But one of the things he did down in the Caribbean, and he, this is a guy buying islands. You know, as uh, Eric said, uh, Eric Weinstein, he's about two magnitudes richer than than what he supposedly looked. You know, he looked way richer than he was, um, unless they're just lying about his income. But the mega group set him up well, and he was sort of the, uh, the cutout and cut out companies to hide money and to launder money for uh, financials and, and hedge funds. He wasn't a hedge funds manager, like a legal hedge fund manager that's, that's actually investing well. And that's not what he did. What he did is, for example, he set up a company in uh, Bermuda uh, for Bear Stearns. And so he did uh, Bear Stearns Limited, Ireland Limited, to get away around US regulations. And then they set up uh, liquid funding LTD in Bermuda and uh, put up 40% of the money for this. And there's a whole webby network of who's who 
crooks involved in that. And all it was really doing was offloading toxic assets for Bear Stearns onto the subsidiary so that they looked like they had balanced books when they didn't. And they and Bear Stearns were, were like, for example, the first of the, of the following month would buy back the toxic assets to just shift around. So it would look like they didn't have debt obligations when they did. And then, of course, liquid funding would look like it was in ter terribly in the red. And then it would just be bought back again, you know, after the rating agencies had cleared it. It's, a, it's just shifting around toxic assets. It's not, there's nothing genius about it. Uh, it's very, actually a really low level scheme. But to make it worse was liquid funding issued commercial paper into several money markets, including uh, Dreyfus money market. They put in uh, $139 million and then $125 million in Frank Russell investment and a, and a cool even $100 million into JP Morgan uh, money market funds. And it was odd because, uh, of course, he's meeting with representatives of them. James E. Staley uh, of J.P. Morgan physically met Epstein in Florida while he's supposed to be in jail. You know, he had the uh, 12 hour or, you know, six days a week. He could go, <laughs> go back to work and then stay next to the jail in an apartment. One of his... Uh, one of his working holidays, or I don't know what you say, was, you know, working from home, still continuing to rate meeting uh, women. He met with uh, Alan C. Greenberg and James E. Staley. Why you can't just call the guy on the phone? Well, we know why you want to meet in person. You know, we all know. And but, he, had, uh, he had plainclothes police screening his guests. They called him. They called him the their uh, not boss. Eight. They weren't calling him the prisoner, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy. Yeah, we probably could be, you know, it's cops don't have the highest salary. And he's like, here, here's a, a wheelbarrow of cash and two girls. So J.P. Morgan Chase, um, they would end up buying out Bear Stearns, right? In this kind of the corporate takeover to get all WWE. But. Not alone. Uh, the Federal Reserve Bank in New York set up Maiden Lane LLC, and they put in the senior loan of $28.2 billion, and J.P. Morgan only put up $1.1 billion, or maybe $1.2 billion in this, uh, this takeover of Bear Stearns. So of the $30 billion, 28, um, over $28 billion of it came from Maiden Lane, which is just a Federal Reserve creation, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Uh, not the Fed, like the D.C. Fed, but same difference. And they would buy out uh, the company that Epstein was helping to hide toxic assets for and illegally putting out junk commercial paper in the money markets that caused all these people to lose their fortunes. Didn't matter. I mean, should have been convicted of that. I think that story, because the pedophilia is so bad and so clickbaity, I guess, um, that some of his other nefarious financial crimes did never really get a lot of attention. But not only was he a, a pedophile and a spy, uh, he was definitely a, a world-class white-collar criminal. Well, Ryan, I could do a whole series with you. You obviously have a dangerous level of knowledge on this subject. I'm surprised you're still breathing. 
Um, I like. I've actually part- I've forgotten a lot. <laughs> I had like- to spend so much time trying to get a channel back. I was banned from PayPal. I was banned from Twitter. Banned on Facebook. Two strikes on YouTube. Had my channel raised four times. Kicked off a of Stripe and gotten back again. Kicked off a of Streamlab. I've been banned. Banned on Vimeo. Like I cannot get my information out there, and it also ticked me off that a lot of people were just stealing it you know and uh i'm like go ahead but why not give credit where you got it like how hard is it to just put someone's name on something that's just lame what was Um, the youtube strikes well you know i was i had already had i have four times that it happened the most recent ones were silly they did i mean i had one called palestinians are people too and i got a strike for that I don't know why. I mean, they were like rubbing it in with that one. Like, you're not allowed to call these people human beings. Um, I didn't get the strike on the Epstein video. Um, the The map videos were allowed because I put them private and or unlisted and would kind of share them selectively or do them on another channel. But the other channels that I did my map videos on were all of them erased. Like, not just the video, the whole channel was erased. So on my YouTube, I have the uh, kosher version of, but the real deep thing, I do, like, one-on-one because I can't risk it. I can't risk losing my channel again. I just, but, yeah, I had to spend a lot of time on the defense rebuilding stuff I already had and physically had to pay to go to Ireland and go to Google and get my strikes removed and come back oh, and self-censor. I find it that that's fascinating. You flew to Ireland yeah. and got your strikes. From Japan. I mean, you, you just show up at Google's office mm-hmm. and say, look, here I am. Well, I want to these... speak to someone about this. What, what? Take us through that. Oh, I did more than that. These bug men don't like um, consequences. They like to just be like, delete, you know, cancel culture. I'm, I ain't, Mm-mm. I'm very alpha, and I'm like, if you don't answer me, right, I don't want to spend thousands of dollars and go to another country uh, <laughs> and not know whether it's going to work or not. Did, did you fly from was, Japan? I did. <laughs> Holy shit, man. I had like 90 people with me. I went to Dublin because I could go to Texas or Ireland, and they're about equal distance from me. And I've been to Texas before, and I've never been to Ireland. I'm like, oh, I'll go to Ireland. I'll st- I stopped in the UK and joined a uh, pro Julian Assange rally while I was there. It was the anniversary of the death of John McCain, and I got on the microphone and just lambasted John McCain and yelled in the middle of London that Prince Andrew was a rapist and all that. And then the next day, I went to Ireland. Uh, the Irish were waiting for me because I had some fans there. And I actually have some history there. Dawson Street, which is right in the middle of Dublin, was built by my family. So it was uh, oh. Grafton and Ann Street was built by a Dawson. And I met the mayor, went, did a tour through the mayor's house. <laughs> this is like, I felt like I was coming home like a king or something. But I happened to know someone that knew the mayor, and he was, and he kind of liked the cool history of the the Dawson house and meeting a Dawson. And I stayed at the Dawson Hotel right across the street. And, so Ireland was a blast, and I had about 90 people go with me. I had a whole network of people, and there were a lot of Irish that we just met uh, there in, in the bars that we told them what was going on. Like, I'll be there tomorrow because they hate what they call uh, D4. With the joke is C4D4, District 4, where all the Google is taking so, over. So are, you saying, are you saying you, you, sh- you showed up at Google's office with almost 100 people? Oh, you got to see the letter I got. This is awesome. So I got <laughs> 
I have been trying to reach a person <laughs> to say, you're saying I have hate speech or whatever, you know, this, this just means truth speech. Uh, they're trying to say this the whole time, and I'm trying to like, this video does not break your terms of service. You say it does, but it doesn't. And it was, I mean, you should see this stuff. I put all the videos up on BitChute. Like, there is absolutely nothing wrong with them. And uh, one of them was just a montage. Oh, you'll, you'll see. I'll send you all this stuff. You can play it later or whatever. Well, maybe you shouldn't because it's on YouTube. But, you know, you can see it in a test that, okay, how, you're breaking how, the rules. So I did not get hold of a person, right? And I'm yeah. like, I was like, oh, you can't just call someone. You can't just call YouTube, right? You can't just call Google. <laughs> they give you a representative, but... I can never really stay above like the 50,000 followers mark because then I always get up to around there and get erased to zero again, right? So, um, and I'm around that right now. I'm, I think about 55 or something. And so uh, I used to have a huge channel back in like 2008. I got erased in December. The day the ADL partnered with YouTube, I was the first person gone. So I got up and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go do what the only thing I know is to go show up. And see if I can talk to a person and tell them about my channel because I got nothing else to lose. When I was in Britain, I suddenly get an answer. This is creepy, too. I get an email from YouTube, from Google, actually. It was the same thing. And there's and it's like, hi, hi I'm so, I'll, I'll screenshot this and give it to you. I'm so-and-so. And we know, we know, I didn't say it on my channel. I said it everywhere else, though. We know what you're planning on doing, and you should not show up at the headquarters in Britain. If you do, your channel will be permanently removed and blah, 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 blah. And they, it was as soon as I got off the plane. So like they knew that I wasn't just talking trash, that I had gotten on a plane and I was in London. And the moment <laughs> I got to London, because they knew my passport or whatever, bing, I get an email. Now they want to discuss stuff, and they don't want me to go to the headquarters in London. And the YouTube bosses were in London at that time. Well, I politely wrote back and said, your information is wrong. I have no intention of going to Google headquarters in London. Because I wasn't. I was going to Dublin. Because <laughs> that's where the main, the main headquarters is. <laughs> so, so, you know, I did uh, a few days in. When I'm in England anyway, I'm going to, I did other things. I wasn't I'm like, well, if I have to go halfway around the world. So I did the Assange rally and I met some people who uh, who I'd known and I met some friends that, you know, I'd only seen online or whatever for a long time and fans and supporters and so on. And I I, I did some things that were memorable when I was in London. They're like, who is this guy? And why is he, how can he do this? Um, I had a big American flag. I was the most obnoxious cowboy when I was there. Then I go to Ireland and they're just like, here he comes. Is this happening? And so we, I had a huge uh, group with me. I had another American, uh, my uh, co-host, uh, came. So you just, walk, said, you just walk into the building, a huge group of people led by you just walk into the building. Is that well, not the, it, well, I had the group stayed outside. I said the first outside. time. Okay. Yeah, we went there. I went and paid Facebook a visit while I was there, too, because I'm perpetually banned on Facebook. Um <laughs> Can I, can I, I'll, I'll tell you what happened in Ireland. Can I tell you a quick Facebook story? Because your audience will okay. like this. Okay. Do Epstein. So this is a, I'm also a kind of a, a Civil War buff historian. And I had an ancestor that actually fought on both sides. He, uh, we're from the islands in North Carolina. And my family's a American Indian. And 
and Irish actually. And when uh, Sherman started burning civilian cities and, and doing what he was doing, uh, we switched sides and fought for the Confederacy, finally joined the good guys. And, um, but prior to the entire war, my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather uh, had uh, uh, freed a slave. He wasn't his slave, it was his friend. They're about the same age, they're about 17, 18 years old. And he set this, uh, he gave this black guy a skiff to go across the Pamlico Sound, uh, which he took and he went across the Sound to his freedom. Uh, this is before the war. And then uh, apparently maintained that and all the way through the 13th Amendment and then didn't have to worry about it. But um, never knew what happened or anything. And my uh, great-grandfather was shot, actually survived. But um, so anyway, his daughter and my grandmother in like 1931 were going to the capital, to Raleigh, for something. And along the side of the road, they saw um, somebody selling crab apples and grapes. And a very old black gentleman with uh, white, white hair. He, and I did the math. He would have been 88 years old. It was him. And they were buying, and he got, got to ask, where, where are you all from? And then we said, well, from the Outer Banks. Well, we're from islands, right? This is rare. There's three islands out there. First place, the first colony, by the way, uh, which landed on July 4th in the 1580s. But anyway, um, they got to talking, and my great-grandmother said, oh, we're, we're from Bucks. And he goes, oh, I used to be a slave there, and my friend set me free, gave me a skiff, and told the whole story. Well, my grandmother already knew that story. I said, that was my father that did that. And he just started crying, started bawling, and she started bawling. And my grandmother, she was a, uh, four or five years old at the time, like, am I supposed to cry? Like, she didn't know what was going on. And my great-grandmother overpaid for his grapes, gave him triple the price. He was trying to give them away. They'd argue about that or whatever and uh, wished him well. And, <clears throat> and that was that. My grandmother told me that story. So I told the whole story on YouTube when I was doing, I was doing Civil War Week and I was doing a nuanced view. Like, no, this idea of the South's a bunch of, uh, you know, cousin bumping, racist, backward, whatever. I mean, that's just not, come on. And I was just doing little Civil War stories, and I told that story on YouTube. Well, the family of that person saw it, or somebody saw it, and, you know, they so they got hold of me on Facebook. And my grandmother told me this story, retold me this story on tape when she was 88. She's, still, she's now 91. She's still alive. And so I would put that out there because she was the same age as he was when she met him. And that's how the Civil War was not that long ago. You're talking about 1860s. That's not that long ago. So there were people alive past World War One. you know, that were there. My grandmother actually helped catch a, an Austrian spy, caught a Nazi spy, too. Ran her <laughs> down on her horse. Yeah, and that's another story. But anyway, I, I was doing these stories, and the, the family of the guy that had the boat contacted me on Facebook and wanted to, to uh, show us the boat and meet my grandmother. And I thought that was awesome. And um, his, I guess it would have been his uh, granddaughter or whatever, they're similar in age. And I was banned on Facebook. So I couldn't reply. Mm -hmm. And I got banned for 90 days. Three, I got three consecutive 30-day uh, bans. Mm -hmm. And by the time I could reply, she had passed away. Oh. So they never, they never got to meet and they never 
And I don't know if she had any other relatives or what. And I had to dig through because what happens when I'm banned is I get 900 messages from people that I can't answer. And I was like, where was that? Where was I? I know I saw that. And it was too late. So I, I, I paid him a visit while I was in Dublin. Just that wasn't even on the agenda. I'm like, oh, Facebook's right next, right over there. We're going there too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I went out and we had a, a huge protest. And to let it, I'm like, this is never going away. And it's going to be all over TV. And if you can get me in front of a mic in Ireland, I will let, I will like, here's the videos they erase. And it's, you know, I'm the one fighting racism and genocide and war and slavery and, you know, because there is modern slavery in Libya going after pedophiles. It looks really bad when YouTube's on the side of Al Qaeda and international pedophiles. And it, that would look terrible. Yeah, I let them know that. And I got in how, how, how did you let them know that? Because when I, they're like, what is going on? Because all these people were there and they knew they this is what happened is we sent our spies in first because they had all these guards out there and they had my picture and they had my co-host picture. So they're like waiting for me to come. I think they thought I was going to be violent or something. I was like, I didn't say I was going there to blow it up or something. I said I was going there to talk to a person because I can't get hold of a person. And this is my life. This is my livelihood. And I and you know, other people get banned too. I'm gonna be the guy that, you know, pays them a visit. Not so, the way so, you know the lady did in uh, California or anything, but so they knew. So, so I knew that they knew because I sent the Irish guys went in there first. People I'd not met till yesterday. And we and they communicated. We had our own little network and say they they're out there and they've got your picture. You know, they're waiting for you. I said, Okay, this is we're gonna come around this direction and do this. <laughs> Anyway, it was it was like fun and I was pissed at the same time. I'm like, oh, they were all excited, but I was being serious. Like I wanted my channel back and I wanted my strikes removed. And I was like, I don't want to cause conflict and I don't need to do what I will do if I have to with the media and everything. But, you know, some, uh, some of their engineers came out and talked to me because they were like, oh, the security guys got all uppity and be like, oh, you need a pass and to get in here. One of these badges. I go, how do I get one of these badges? And uh, I go like that and they all start walking through the building and they then the, they came out to me like, oh, he doesn't need a badge. I'll talk to you. Come over here. I'm an engineer. Da, 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 da. And we had a long, common conversation. I gave examples. I'm like, here are the videos that are being removed. You know, um, I do a lot of I do speak out against states. I speak out against governments, Israel, Saudi Arabia, etc. I don't conflate that with Muslims or Jews in general and, the, you know, common sense stuff. But I think your robots are out there just flagging whatever. I gave them out like, oh, it's your algorithm or something. And all my strikes were removed, channel restored to good status, et cetera. Wow. By the time I landed in Japan, I had it all back again. But I still wow. self-censored. But yeah, it was really chad of people to, to donate to that trip to get me over there too. And since then, I've been trying to help other people who got banned with their appeal process because no one reads those appeals. Right. It's not they say a person reads, but nobody does. Like I would do an appeal and two seconds later it would say appeal rejected. You couldn't have even watched the video in question in two seconds, much less made a decision about it, right? They just censor who they want to censor. And it was really bad around 2017, 2018, where they're like, We can't allow another 2016 to happen. Now I'm no fan of Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump nearly started war in Iran gives money to Israel. He's awful. He does many bad things. But I dislike him for different reasons than the orange man bad crowd, right? But um, 
it doesn't matter. If you have any nuanced view at all, if you're not completely a hater, then they're going to get rid of you. And it's been proven disproportionately that conservatives, uh, libertarians, anti-war activists, etc., are targeted on YouTube by algorithms, etc. And so, and the, one of the most taboo things you can do, getting on their radar, is to do a deep dive on Israeli crimes. They don't like that. And well, I used well, you, that's um, so inspirational to hear what you've been through, and I reckon people watching this are going to be really motivated to go down and click over to your channel and help you get those subscribers built back up. Oh, that would um, be awesome. It'd probably be temporary, but you can do it. <laughs> I would do it, and I would add I would add my bit shoot as well as a backup. Um, I still use YouTube because that's where all the traffic is, but I mirror everything on BitChute. And anytime there's a video where I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to say that, then I just stick it straight to, to BitChute. So I'm going to put all, all your links um, will be in the description box below this video if people want to contact you on your socials, etc. And if you've got questions for Ryan, please put them in the comments section below. Let us know how you felt about this. Perhaps, like I said, you know, I think we could do a whole series. If you've got questions, we could ask him if he would be willing to come back on. And that yeah, any part of that, if you want the sources or details or say speak more about that person or whatever, no problem. But I've sort of done it already in the, some of the videos I've made, so you may want to see some of those first. But i got to thank you for giving me this opportunity. And congratulations on your 4,000K, by the way. That's, that's amazing. This is, um, this is what we need is networking. I mean, they can't shut everyone down. And I was careful today to be specific as I could without and without being too general but not too specific enough to get you yanked because I don't want to get okay. anyone in trouble but what I don't trust me I'm holding back there is some really hard-hitting stuff over on my uh, bit shoot in YouTube well I appreciate you holding back because um, a lot of people have been completely demonetized in the last week a lot of people that I've worked with over the years all right, so thank you very much for coming on, Ryan, and wish you all more success in your endeavors. Cheers from London. Thank you very much. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I've got some exciting news to announce. Michael Francis is coming back to tour the UK in 2024. The remade mentor, the Michael Francis story. Michael Francis, once named one of the 50 most significant mob bosses in the USA by Fortune magazine, and a former member of the notorious Colombo crime family, will take you deep into the world of organized crime, sharing captivating tales and insights into the Mafia's past, present, and future. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Michael Francis, the original Goodfella, as he exclusively sits down with myself, Sean Atwood. With me as the host, there's going to be a no-holes-barred exploration of Michael Francis's life, including his numerous arrests and jury trials that ultimately led to his pleading guilty to a federal racketeering charge, a 10-year prison sentence, and $15 million in restitution. You will have the unique opportunity to ask questions during an audience Q&A session, making this event a must-see for true crime enthusiasts and anyone curious about the underworld. Don't miss this explosive in-conversation with Michael Francis. Live on stage in the UK, this exclusive in-person event will be held in various locations in the UK, Ireland and Scotland. Link in the description box below this video if you want to grab yourself a ticket. Back to the podcast. Cheers.